0: Stay standing a moment and pray, if we could. God, we just want to give you glory. We want to tell you that. Lord, we thank you for Jesus, and that's the reason we're here. Just even want to now just enter into a moment where we just ask you to speak to us. Every one of us, wherever we are in our understanding of you today, that you would make yourself so clear and that we would have hearts that would want to respond to you because of the love that you've shown us through Jesus. We just thank you, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can go have a seat. That'd be great. I was really excited to be able to continue our series on Advent. I almost felt like this morning, like there needed to be a rainbow somewhere, right? Did anybody else feel that after yesterday? Like crazy, right? Yesterday morning, I get out to, you know, come to church to work, and uh, so I get in my car, turn it on, put it into gear, and I look in front of me, there's a tree across the road, you know, right right there. And uh, unfortunately, it was my neighbor's tree, And uh, but fortunately, the only thing that was damaged was a mailbox got dented. I mean, it just went, oh, it was just the perfect place it could have fallen. But what that makes me want to say is that um, if you're a, a widow or if you are a single mom or a single lady and... Um, And something happened in this storm and you're like, how am I going to do, how am I going to take care of this? We just love to be able to figure out a way if we can help. So if you wanted to, you could just stop at the reach table today and just let us know your predicament or your situation. We'll see what we can do to see if there's a way um, that we can help with whatever the, you know, the storm did in your neighborhood or to your home as well. So here we are in this series on Advent. And as we've said, the word Advent means the coming or the arrival, And it was actually used uh, to talk about the coming or the arrival usually of someone important. Uh, So a dignitary would be coming to town. So they would be talking about the advent and in Latin, adventus, of the person who was coming. Well, the church adopted this term, this phrase, as a way to describe the waiting period or the longing for the coming of the Messiah as the people of God were waiting on the promised one. It's used by the church to describe the time of the coming of Jesus to our planet. And now it's used by the church to talk about the time where we long and we wait for his second coming, that he's going to come again for us. Last year, our church decided that we would take this idea of Advent and that we would walk through it. Um, it's not something that I did as a child, or even as an adult, as walking through the series of the candle lightings that we're going through. The focus on particular topics, and so we just said we're going to ta- we're going to change our focus from Christmas to Advent. And I'm just going to tell you that this has changed my experience in a really cool way. Now uh, I- I'm not going to become you know the Scrooge or anything like that, bah humbug about Christmas, but I just got to tell you that. What it's done for me, it's it's allowed me to take my focus off of Christmas, with all of the pull that Christmas brings, the overscheduled priorities and events that we go through, the indulgence, um, the watered-down celebration because we're so consumed by trying to make all things perfect. We tend to end, you know, at Christmas time we tend to do, it's really helped me to kind of change it from Christmas to Advent. And, and, you know, Advent is talking about the coming of Jesus. And so it's allowed me to put my my personal focus in a different place. And I just hope that as we've gone through this and as we continue this as a tradition as our church, it really can help all of us because we don't want to be get to the end of it and say, whew, glad that was over. We want to be able to say, I got closer to Jesus. I allowed myself that opportunity. And so what we you know we did last year we chose to go through Isaiah and promises and prophecies of the coming Messiah and how they uh, actually related to Advent. And this year now there's all kinds of ways we could do it. We could go through Matthew, which would be the genealogy and then the coming of Gabriel to Joseph and the story there. Or we could have gone to Luke and we could have talked about the coming of Gabriel to Mary. And then the shepherds and the angels and you know glory to God in the highest, we could have done that, but we wanted to do something a little different, and so we're going to John. Now, John doesn't tell the Christmas story. What's fascinating about what John does is he writes later in his life, and he's reflecting back to the time that he did experience Jesus, and he walked with him, and he says, I really want you to know. I really want you to know who Jesus was. I don't want you to miss this. And so he gives us the meaning. Why did you, We have the story, we have the narrative, but now he gives us the meaning as to why Jesus came. And so we've been walking through this series in John. I just want to invite you right now, if you would, to grab your Bible. You can open it to John chapter 1. And we're going to be jumping in at verse 9 today. Also, you can grab these message notes out. They're going to be a big big help for you today. But just a heads up, I didn't warn the first service. I'll warn you. I'm not covering everything on here today. So you get to the end, you're like, well, he didn't cover this verse or this verse or this verse. I wished I could have. But you want to be out before 2 o'clock, okay? So I didn't get that. But it's also, it's just stuff that you can read later on yourself, and you can do that. I just want to mention this, too. If you don't run a Bible, we'd love for you to have a Bible. So if you stop, there's a bookshelf right out these doors, and just, you will take a Bible out of the rack. We'd love to give you one for you and your family. So just to give you some context, last week Pastor John talked about John the Baptist, and as John, the writer, is writing about John the Baptist, and John the pastor spoke last it gets confusing, right? So that happened last week as we looked at this whole idea. He talked about the account of John the Baptist and his role, and his role was to prepare the way, and his role was to be a witness and to testify who the Messiah would actually be. And so he was saying that there's one that's coming that I'm not even worthy to, you know, tie his shoes and to clean his feet. That's what he was actually saying. And he made it clear that he wasn't the light. So don't look at me. He gets that even though you're coming to me, don't look at me as thinking I'm the light. I'm not the light because there's one coming that's greater than me. And then he says in John 1:9, that's where we pick up today. He says this, the true light, which gives life to everyone, was coming into the world. Now, I don't know if you guys send christmas cards out you're kind of asking one of your things about this but i believe that if john would have you know created his own christmas card that this would have been the inscription on the inside that this was john's main message the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world and we didn't even say today he has come into the world and so what he's saying here is that jesus came to show us god God whom we can't see with our human eyes. Just like as we talked about two weeks ago with Pastor Mark, he talked about light quite a bit, talked about light spectrum, and that we can only see a tiny sliver of the light spectrum, of the light that's available with our human eyes. Well, in the same way, God is outside of our ability to see with our human eyes. And so what we needed was we needed a way to see. and so God sent Jesus so that we could actually see, so that we could actually know with our senses who God is. And so what we want to do is we want to just say, okay, that is the true light. He came to show us that. And folks, the busyness of Christmas can keep us so preoccupied with um, the kind of the sentimentality of Christmas, which is all roads lead to heaven, Christmas. Or let's all be nice and let's be inclusive and let's call it a holiday instead of Christmas. What happens is, is that we lose the true meaning of Christmas when we do that. It's the advent, it's the coming of Jesus. So, what I want to do is I want to t- point us to the light. That's what John did. That's what I want to do today as well. So, so many people are seeking happiness at Christmas, but happiness can be so elusive, right? It's the right gift, you know, the right event. Some of us actually think that this year when our family comes, it'll be happy. You know, we kind of long for that opportunity. So we look at it that way. But joy is right in front of us. Joy is right there. We can experience that at Christmas. We go for the false where the real is in the present. And so I'm just really praying today that in this time right now that we have, that as we would focus on the light and as we have communion together, that this would be a moment that's transformational for us, for you when you realize that God wants to be in a personal relationship and to walk with you, and you would experience that. So let's just begin with verse 10, but I want to give you the point first, the idea. Three ideas on how to see the light. The first is this. I must recognize Jesus. I must recognize Jesus. John begins then in verse 10. He goes to verse 10 and 11, and I'm just going to make some comments and just kind of break this up a little bit. But he says in verse 10, he says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Now, it's kind of mumbo-jumbo, right? You know, what he's trying to say there. Now, you know, some folks might read that, and they might think, well, okay. So what that's saying is, is that uh, he created the cosmos. He created the heavens and the earth, the stars. He created the planets. He created everything. And so that must be saying that when he came, everything he created didn't recognize him. Now, I'm not sure exactly exactly, if the stars would recognize Jesus. when he, I don't know if they're you know, personified in that way, but I don't really think that's what that's saying, because I think that if Jesus came, all earth would recognize him. All earth would. Okay, So I really think what that's saying is, is that the world, the context here could be that he's talking about the Gentile world, those outside of the Jewish tradition. So he's saying that when he came, the Gentile world, those who weren't followers of God, those who weren't, who weren't pursuing God, that they didn't recognize him. Now, part of the reason that they missed him is that they just weren't looking, right? They weren't followers of God. So they weren't looking for the promised Messiah to come. And so they were they were involved in their own lives, their own agendas. They were facing their own pain, their own suffering, just trying to make Uh, life, work, uh, and they were living in their own revelry. And so I, I just believe that they were so consumed with themselves that when Jesus arrived, they didn't know him. They didn't see him. They didn't recognize him because they simply weren't looking for him and that when he came, they missed him. On the other hand, there was a group of people who were looking for him, but even though they were looking for him, they still missed him. Now, how can that be, right? They're looking for him and they still missed him. Well, this is what it says in verse 11. It says, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. So that means that those who were followers of God did not recognize him and did not receive him. Why didn't they recognize Jesus? Well, I believe, once again, this is just my thoughts. I believe that they were so busy trying to please God that when God arrived, they missed him. They were so consumed with rules and regulations and so consumed with trying to make it happen and make it work that all of a sudden Jesus is right in front of them, and they were so consumed with that they didn't even see him. They didn't even recognize him when he showed up. Added to that, they had preconceived ideas about what the Messiah would be like. And if you want to know about this, you can just read into into some of the prophecies, but then you can read into some of the responses of the disciples and the people as Jesus walked the planet. That their responses were, they saw Jesus' as coming as totally different than the Jesus that got. The Jesus that came, totally different. And so they were looking for someone who would come to would relieve them of Roman oppression and set them free. And they would set up a kingdom right now, and we would be the rulers of the earth. And so they had a preconceived idea of what Jesus would be like, and so they didn't recognize him. Now, I think both of those groups represent people in our day. I really do. I think they represent people in our day who don't recognize Jesus either. There are those who just aren't looking, that they're involved in their own lives, you know, trying to make it. They're consumed with their reality, their revelry, and as they're going through life, they're just not looking for Jesus. There are those who don't believe they need Jesus. Well, thank you, but, you know, you can have that Jesus, but I don't really need him. And Jesus is just a crutch, or only for weak people. And so they don't think they need him. There are those who are skeptical. There are those who have doubts. And what they say is, I've got to have proof. You need to show me before I'm going to believe in Jesus. There are those who are trying to, are so preoccupied, trying to get everything from life that they can, that honestly, they just don't have time for Jesus. Jesus is going to interrupt their show, and all this is going on. There are those who are so busy trying to win his approval, and so busy even when he's right in front of them that they don't see him. Many people in that in that same camp. There are those who believe in a Jesus also that's not consistent with the Bible. So there are those who believe that Jesus. Well, yeah, he was a good man. He's a great teacher. He was a prophet. But to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son, nah, they can't do that. And so they can't recognize Jesus as he was. And what I want you to grasp today is this. This is the challenge here, a challenge for all of us. In order to know Jesus, I must recognize Jesus. In order to know him, I must recognize him. And if I'm going to recognize him, I must look for him. I must seek him with all my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength. Now, some of you, you've been looking for meaning in life in a lot of places and a lot of things. You've been looking for meaning in life in your relationships. You've been looking for life in religion, even church kind of involvement. You've been looking for meaning in life in serving and your good deeds. You've been looking for the meaning of life and the resources that you can accumulate. But this, this Advent season, what I want to ask you to do is to put aside your preconceived ideas about Jesus and humble yourself before him. Humble yourself and receive Jesus as he is. Learn to recognize him as God. So now I'm going to take a little pause button here, a little pause, and that uh, we're going to move out of John for just a second, and we're going to move into Ephesians chapter 2, because I want to make a point here that I I think is going to be very helpful today for many of us. Now Paul's writing in Ephesians 2, and he's writing to people who have recognized Jesus, and he's writing to people who have received Jesus. And as we're going to talk about in a little while, he's writing to people who have said yes to him and have become part of his family. So that's who he's writing to here, just so we know that. And he says this, talking to those people who have now, are in his family, who recognize him and received him, he says, and you were, would you circle that word were, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you walked, following the course of this world. So totally not looking. Following the prince of the power of the air, totally consumed. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So talking about the lifestyle of those who still aren't looking or don't know Jesus. Among whom we all once lived. So that's everybody. We all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and by nature, by our very nature, We were children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So what Paul's saying here is he's saying that every person is born the same. Every person has the same spiritual identity. And the reason I want to talk about this is that I think just as important it is that we recognize our need for Jesus. I mean, recognize Jesus as we recognize our need for Jesus, that we need him. The Apostle Paul is just saying, our natural state, folks, is to be spiritually dead. That's the way you were born. Well, wait a minute. Well, I have a spiritual side. Well, yes, we all have a spiritual side. Because we're all made in the image of God. And so we all have a spiritual component. But we're we're still spiritually dead. We may be able to understand spiritual things or have spiritual experiences, but to be spiritually alive, it requires something besides the way we were made in our mother's womb. And what John wants you to know is this, the spiritually dead, they may not know they're spiritually dead. Just like a dead person doesn't know when they're dead, they have no cognitive abilities. In fact, they may believe, honestly, this is is where we have to talk today they actually may believe they're spiritually alive because they have spiritual experiences. But in actuality, they live as if there's no God. They live as if there's no God. And that's because their minds have been clouded by the darkness of the age and they need the light of Jesus to be shown in there. So God sent his son into the world to shine that light, to shine the light so to show us our spiritual deadness and our absolute need for him. Now, I want to be very sensitive here. I'm just going to ask you, please take your eyes off you and what you believe about yourself and open up your eyes to what God says about you. Open up your eyes to what Jesus says about himself. Recognize him. Allow Jesus to shine his light into your heart and illuminate your true condition. Not so that you'll be condemned. This is not about condemnation because Jesus says, I did not come to condemn anyone, but so that you will be illuminated. You'll be illuminated about who you are and you can do something about it. Okay, now back to Advent, okay? So we're going to be back to John. Even though you're going to see several verses from Ephesians following, I'm not going to be able to go into those again today. We're just going to go back to John for a little while. So the first thing, I need to recognize Jesus, and I'll just say, I'll add a little addendum on the end of it, by being open to him. And open about myself by being open to Him and open about myself. Okay? Second idea is this respond to Jesus. If I'm gonna see the light, I need to respond to Jesus. Respond to Him. I'm gonna read John 1 12. Now, for many of you, this will be a very familiar verse. Uh, in fact, m- many of you will have this verse memorized. And at some point, you've learned uh, how to help someone come to know Jesus. And you've used this verse, and I'm going to use a sales kind of term, even though I don't want to denigrate this at all. But this is your closer verse, okay? So you, know, you get to the end of your presentation, and you say, are you ready? And then it's like, if you believe and you, you will receive, then you, you get them to pray a prayer. And you think that the praying the prayer is the answer, okay? It's kind of like a transaction. So I know I need him. I'm going to do what he asks. Transaction complete. Now I've got my ticket to heaven kind of that idea. But you know what? That's not what this verse is talking about. Uh, You've sold this verse way short if you think this is the end or if this is about a transaction. It's actually about the entrance into a relationship. That's what this verse is, entrance into a relationship with him. Now, I'm going to read it, okay? But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, I've already rocked your boat a little bit by saying that we're all born dead. Now, I'm going to tell you something else. That No one of us is born as a child of God. When we're born, we are born as creations of God with a spiritual component because we're in his image. But we are born dead and we are not children of God. And what God did when he sent Jesus was he showed us how that we could be made alive and then become a child of God. And that's where the joy of this Christmas message, comes in. We're all his creations, created in his image, but we're not all his children. You only become a child through adoption. You have to go through a process of adoption. Now, this verse, it tells us that we're not all children, but the good news is it tells us how we could become children if we wanted to. That's the good news of what this verse does, how to enter into relationship. How? Well, it's determined by your response, okay? So, turn your notes over, and let me give you two responses that are in that verse. The first, I respond to Jesus by receiving him, by receiving him. Now, that word receive, it kind of means just what you think it does, okay? So if I walk up to you and I've got a package and it's wrapped and it has your name on it and I hand it to you, that what do you do? To, it, you have to receive it. You have to put your hands out and you have to take it and you have to bring it in. Uh, it's used to, okay, so if you come to my house and you ring my doorbell, First thing you're going to know is that I have a black lab that barks a lot. Okay, so that's what you're going to find out. But I open the door, and there you are. I've invited you to my home. And I most times what you do is you want to stick out your hand, and you want to receive the person into your home. So that's what this is talking about here with us is, Jesus, I need to receive him. I need to bring him into my heart, into my life, so that he can be with me. So that's the kind of the first idea is receiving him. The second response is to believe him, is to believe him. Now the word believe means to have confidence in. Many times in the Bible you'll see it translated as faith. To have confidence in. And it means to be persuaded. So I've I've needed some persuasion here. So it's not just like, oh, one day I just woke up and I believed. But it, I've tested it, and I've, I've been able to experience what it means to walk with him, to believe that something true, and to place my trust in it. So I believe that every week when this chair is put here, that I believe that when I sit in it, it's going to hold me up. Why do I believe that? Because I've sat in it before. And I know, unless I've gained like too many pounds over the holidays, that it's going to hold me up. Well, that's what we're talking about here. I've received him, and I believe in him, and now I'm going to walk with him in relationship. It's going to be about Jesus and me, and I'm going to trust him, and now I'm going to turn over my whole life to him. This is why this is so radical. My life is no longer my own, and I'm going to turn my life over to him, and I'm going to walk with him by faith. To believe that it, What he did for me on the cross, I'm going to accept that, and then I receive the offer to become his child. And because of that, I place my faith in him. Now, when you do that, when you receive him and when you believe him, here's what can happen in you. And actually, I think this is one of the signs that you would know, is it real or not, is the first thing you're going to feel is humility. Because you're going to say, look at what he's done for me. It's going to be absolute humility. Look at what Jesus did for me. And I can't take any credit for this. And the second thing I believe you're going to feel is compassion. Is deep compassion. And that compassion is going to be for others who haven't yet seen Jesus. Who haven't yet allowed him into their heart and into their life. So that's why I think this series that we were in uh, on the fruit of the Spirit, where we talked about standout with our armbands, why it was so powerful. Because what that series was all about is this, folks. It was all about, if I've received love, I can give love. When I receive joy, I can give joy. I receive. I just go down the list of the fruit of the Spirit. And so here I'm talking about, I'm saying, once you receive this gift, you're going to feel humility. Oh my word, I just, I'm so grateful for what Jesus has done for me. Not like you're some little worm, okay? But that you're so grateful. And then you're going to feel compassion. And I just want to say what happens when you're compassion, you realize this, you realize in humility and with compassion that if you can be reborn, anyone can be reborn. If I can be reborn, anyone can be reborn. If Christ can change me, anyone can be changed. And so what that tells you is there is no one outside of uh, the, who is outside the realm of the possibility of coming to know Jesus. No one. And it, and it just makes you so eager to be compassionate and share it with everyone about the love of Christ. Because you know you did nothing to earn it. And if you're like me, you know that because you know who you are, you know what's on the inside. You know that you were spiritually dead, and you know that you were made spiritually alive. And if he can do that with you, he can do that with anyone. That's the, that's the whole truth and the joy in this. And that causes you to treat others differently because you want them to experience him. Okay, recognize Jesus, respond to Jesus, and then last, rejoice in Jesus. Rejoice in him. I'm going to go back and read verse 12 again in alignment with verse 13. Uh, And this is what he says in verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Would you circle that word right? That word right. Now, that word right, it means an honor or privilege. An honor or privilege. That's what that means there. It's not an entitlement. It's an honor and a privilege. And the moment you say yes to Jesus and acknowledge him as the one who was sent by God for you, acknowledge that, and you receive and you believe what he's done for you, he gives you now, this is the beauty of the whole message today, the beauty of Advent, the beauty of Christmas, he gives you now the privilege of being a son or a daughter of the Most High God, of the King. This is what he goes. I'm going to read verse 12 again, then read 13. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born, notice this, not of blood. Okay, this just kind of helps you understand. It's not through uh, your family. It's not you know, through your lineage that you're actually made right with him. Uh, and then he says, nor of the will of the flesh. So that means it's not by what you do. It's not by your efforts. It's not, you can't earn it nor of the will of man, so kind of meaning it's not through your religious observations. Not through anything, but what? What does it say? Of what? God, of God. God is the one who makes this possible. And so what happens is I can now rejoice and I can get off the performance treadmill and quit trying to earn God's acceptance and I can relax in his loving presence. He's made me a son of the most high God. He's made you a son of the Most High God. He's made you a daughter of the Most High God. I am no longer a spiritual orphan, dead, not alive spiritually, without a spiritual family. But I am now included in his family, the Most High God. And when I receive Jesus and believe in Jesus, he makes me alive. He fills me with life. And I'm alive spiritually. And I'll just say this today, this can be your new reality. This can be your new condition. This can be who you are. Now, what is it that makes adoption great? Well, this is a really tender subject for me. And uh, the idea of adoption. And my family, we've had the privilege of adopting. And I'll never forget the day that we stood with friends before a judge, and uh, he went through a litany of responsibilities that were all actually almost overwhelming as he did that, that we knew we were saying yes to, and then he says, will you be responsible for this girl, and both Kim and I, we said, yes, yes, we'll be responsible, and at that moment, we adopted a child. Now, then that child comes into our home and is a full heir of all we have, <laughs> uh, which ain't much. Uh, and the, the beauty, of the, the, just the beauty of this is that maybe in 20 years, uh, I don't think that the most important thing to her is going to be, oh, I want to go find my adoption papers. I want to hold on to my adoption papers. It's the transaction that was the most important thing to me. No, the most important thing to her is going to be that she got a mother and a dad and a brother that will love her for the rest of her days. And folks, I just want to say to you today that that's that's exactly the way it is in our adoption. It's not about the transaction. It's about the fact that God has invited you and me into his family to walk with him to be with him, and to be his heir, to know him. And that's what Advent is all about. And that's my new heart, personally, that I will know him deeper and deeper, know him more and more, and walk with him. Look at what John says in 1 John 5. It says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. So I have to recognize my need, I recognize him and recognize my need. I have to respond by receiving and believing. And then I can now rejoice because I'm in his family. And I'm an heir of all that would be coming to Jesus. Let's bow our heads and pray before we have communion. So Jesus, as we come to this moment, I just want to thank you. Thank you that you came. I pray for those in the room. I just kind of will talk to the two, two groups now. There are those who haven't been looking for you. They may be here today because someone invited them. May have been coming for a while, but they have never been looking for you, Jesus. Maybe they've rejected you, or they've been skeptical, and they're needing proof. Or in some way, they they just want to believe in a Jesus that doesn't require humility. Doesn't require giving their all. But today, I just pray that we've seen you and we've seen ourselves. And so if you've never said yes to Jesus, I please ask you to do it today. You can pray with me right now in your heart. You can just pray, Jesus, I've not been looking. And today I see. I see you as you came for me, and I see me as I am. And I ask you, Jesus, that if you would come into my life, I want to receive you. Receive you as my savior, cleanser, healer, regenerator, source of life. And I believe. And so, help me now as I walk with you. Help me to learn what it means to trust you. Test you. Be loved by you. Be held by you. And give me the joy that comes from knowing I'm in your family. God, I pray for those who would say they know you but they've just been so distracted the church is great but it's just another thing they check off that today has just been about an, an eye opener that being here is not about checking off something for approval but it's being here just to be with the one that died for me I love I'm in relationship with and I want to know more and more, better and better. And God, I just pray now as we have communion together that this experience would solidify in our hearts what we've experienced today. And that truly, this moment will not just be a blip in our holiday season, but this will be a day when some people have just put a stake in the ground and said, this is where my joy is found. Help me walk with you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So we're going to experience communion together. And uh, the way we're going to I'm going to ask our ushers to go ahead and move into place. And as they're moving into place, they can go ahead and start serving. And the idea is this, is we're going to pass trays around the room. Our ushers are going to do this. And then the tray, there'll be a cracker and some juice. And you please take a piece of cracker and a cup of the juice and just pass it to the person next to you. And I'm just going to ask if we could just kind of keep this uh, uh, as a solemn moment. And each one of us would have our own moment for introspection so we don't talk to each other as this happens. And that we would, there will be a verse on the screens if you want to look at that to help you in just your focus and your meditation. Uh, And then we're going to receive community. I ask you to hold it until we're all served. I know that's a little awkward, but I ask you to just work with us and do that. I know it can happen. And then we're going also we're going to listen to some music being played for us, have a time of meditation while we're being served, but also we're going to listen to an awesome song uh, that will talk about the power of Jesus coming for us. So we're going to serve.
1: about Couple came to Bethlehem, expecting child. They searched the inn to find a place for you were coming soon. There was no It's just die. A-
0: how that song brought us back to what we talked about. It wasn't just a birth but it was what Jesus came to do that my sins put him on the cross. My condition but he did that so that I could be in relationship with him. He gave himself or his cross became my cross too and I love the fact that in all of this it's about relationship And so Jesus, even before he was going to be, the night before he was going to be crucified, he looked at his 12 favorites. He said to them, I have longed to be with you on this night. And he gave us a command. And the command would be that we observe the Lord's Supper or communion on a regular basis so that we could be reminded of what he's done for us, so that we can be reminded of the relationship that he has for us and for the promise that's waiting for us. So tonight, this afternoon, this morning, we have communion and we eat the bread and the bread represents his body that was broken for us. Let's eat and thank him. the juice represents his blood which was shed for us for the redemption of sins let's Let's rest in this moment Jesus and I thank you I thank you for your sacrifice for us I thank you for your church. I thank you for your people. For Advent that we get to celebrate together. That's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.